am Nana. And I'm Bonquillo, and this is African.American. This is a show about children of African immigrants and immigrants themselves living in the United States. And today we are going to be talking about Judas. Not the Judas from Jesus story, but the Judas is a Jesus story. <laughs> I messed that up. <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah. Well, I guess when it says Black Messiah, you know it's not the Jesus story. Jesus is black. I'm just getting everything confused. We're not talking about Easter. We're talking about the movie <laughs> called Judas and the Black Messiah <laughs> in honor of Black History Month. Um, I believe it's the it's not the first, but it's one of the one of the first feature films about the life of a, an important Black civil rights leader, Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. who was the leader of the Black Panther Party in Illinois, and he was targeted by the FBI, who was scared he would become the next uh, Messiah figure, uh, Black yeah. Messiah figure. This is after the, the the assassinations of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and people mm-hmm. of that ilk. Um, so the FBI targeted him, uh, assassinated him, basically. Um, and... Um, the movie really just kind of tries to tell that story. Um, it stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and Lakeith, I don't remember his last name. Stanfield. Stanfield, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um, so we are, we've seen it, and we yes, brought yes. back our special guest, Charity, to Hi. our resident historian. Charity. Yes, yes. <laughs> 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 Well, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. So first, let's talk about what did you know about the movie before you saw it? Um, What were you, is there any particular thing you were excited about or anticipating in regards to the film? Yeah, so I didn't know much about, you know, who was, who wrote it and all the producers. I guess I didn't really get into that part. I was just like, Fred Hampton, oh, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as uh, Bill O'Neill, the Judas, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know much about his background. So I wanted to learn about that and how their interactions was and how did it come about that he was able to be the informant and that brought about um, Fred Hampton's assassination. And when I think about Black Panther Party, I always thought about the West Coast and more, yeah. more, more of their chapters. Yeah. So too sure about Chicago. So I was really interested in that as well. So, Did you know anything about Bill O'Neill before the movie? I didn't um, get to watch the Eyes on the Prize. Um, two. Inter- yeah. Yeah, part two interview where he was on. But I did know that he was involved. Like I knew yeah. that informant and I knew that that's the reason why Fred Hampton was was able to be assassinated in that way so that's did you know a lot about Hampton himself um before I knew that he was like a young revolutionary okay like 21 can you imagine like being that young and Mm -hmm. um a, a local Black Panther party I think that is just so phenomenal but as far as him being a big face of Black Panther Party, I think he 
has been overshadowed by like Huey P. Newton and mm-hmm. Carmichael and for me, I would say I have a bias toward the women of the movement. So Angela <laughs> Davis, looking yeah. at Asada Shakur, yeah. uh, you know Angela Davis. So I wasn't too much keen on him and knowing mo- most about him. So for me, I wanted to learn more about his uh, his philosophy and politics. Yeah, I think same. I I knew him because of a line in my history. Like I remember in U.S. history, they, there was a mention of him. And that wow, was like it. It's always a little short. It's way mm-hmm. too short. And I think people who are from Chicago, they know more about him. Yeah. 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 More about him. So. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, yeah. So how much, I know you just said that you didn't really know too much about the, the casting, but like, what did you know about, I mean, the, the casting or think about the casting before going into the film. I think I think I remember in passing when they announced it, right? That like, oh, yes. Daniel, uh, Daniel, Kalua. yeah. Call him Kalua. Kalua is a drink, right? Yes, yeah, girl. Kalua is a drink. Kalua, <laughs> Kalua, Kalua. Daniel Kalua was cast as Fred Hampton. Um, is it Fred? Did I say it right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I I also get, you know, the gospel singer. Fred Hampton. But- Hammond. Okay, that's why I'm always afraid that I'm saying uh, the different ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Dave, Daniel is kind of like a big rising star, I, I guess. You know, when you think about it, Get Out. He was in Black Panther. In in a lot of newer Queen, things. Queen and Slim. Yeah, Queen, Queen and Slim. Slim. Yeah. So I think they chose him because of that, like his the notoriety with his name. And then with Lakeith, I feel like he looked a lot like that guy. Yeah, he did. Oh, my gosh. But Lakeith said he tried out for the Hampton role, the Fred Hampton role in one of these clubhouse rooms. Right. And he just didn't get it because because Daniel Kaluuya went to you know also try it out and just you know wow them and right i think he was disappointed about that and well, he sounded a little disappointed yeah and you know it's a precarious situation to be the person who's like the rat who does this people have been saying that how come the black american had to be the rat <laughs> and then the african oh, wow. people are always <laughs> gonna say that you know what my critique was i was like how come the one time it's like a black woman who looked black as a love interest is struggle love like that i'm sorry but that was like in <laughs> really well that's struggle love that was, was not struggle love. That was struggle love. No, because she had to be strong in a lot of ways for him in a way that like black women black women always have to be. And then in movies when it's not that, then it's you know, usually you know, not a black woman or a black woman that looks a little bit, but I mean, I guess I know I realize it's a biopic, right? I get yeah. that. Um, but I, I think I just meant just like, you know, we could pick all those things. I did think about that. I was like, oh, because I love the girl, the woman who plays yeah, the. Yeah, I absolutely adored she her. So good in. It was a movie with like Jamie Foxx on Netflix, is when I first saw her. I don't know okay. if y'all saw that. Dominique, I forgot her last name, but. She's lovely. She plays she's like a great. 16 year old in a movie with Jamie Foxx, and like she's better than Jamie Foxx in that movie, quite frankly. And they're probably oh, not equal. It I is. Like it's like, some, it's like, like an it's like an action film. So I was really excited to see her 
Um, and I guess, you know, it is life, but it's interesting. I always think it's interesting to think about casting and how people look and like when they pick, what kind of black woman they pick to play what role. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys like subscribe or hear about fat phobia or, you know, issues mm-hmm. with that, but they had like, you know, people with meat on their bones in the- in That the- was also nice. <laughs> I appreciated that because I mean Fred Hampton was bigger. He wasn't yes. guy. Yes, Daniel so, put on know. a little bit of weight for the role. He put on, yes, but even even then, like Fred Hampton seemed to be uh, taller, and and I was like, that's Daniel has a smaller frame. Even even though he gained a little bit of weight, when I went to I googled to look look at some pictures of Fred and uh-huh. yeah, I think that's her. He was that's so her handsome. Name. He yeah. was. And I was like, they could have gotten a new face. Dimples. Yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah, Daniel didn't really look like him. I think that's what he we're saying. He didn't look like much him. older. It was it, it was not him looking like him. <laughs> but I think the essence of him, I don't know. I think he did carry it, you know, um, a leadership kind of role. I think he did a really good job. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I thought the acting was good. Um, I thought his yeah. accents were good. Um, Daniel's weird because he'll do American accents, but then the African accent on Black he, Panther. He struggles, girl. That was that. I was like, I don't understand that because you're from Kenya. That was bad. That was bad. <laughs> I'm like, bruh. You know, Chadwick was carrying his own R.I.P. Even uh, what's his name, Last King of Scotland. He had. No, he was not carrying stop. <laughs> <laughs> it was better than Daniel. He didn't do good. <laughs> Daniel, I don't. I can't even like. I don't know. His accent was really weird to me. Dominique, I felt like Dominique is not a, sco- a super skinny girl. You know, she had yeah, like. I was. I was surprised that she was the love interest. Like in the beginning yeah, of the movie, I was like, yeah, okay. okay. So I was like, all right. So she's she likes him. She's a student. And then when she was pregnant, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is who. I mean, before she yeah, got pregnant. Yeah, I love like, that. Okay. I love that. And she looked. She looked her age like she was supposed to look young, yeah. and she looked. Young. But he didn't look young. Yeah. <laughs> I, to me, I, they should I have gotten fresh, fresh faces like that. Yeah. I do wonder about that. I know someone else critiqued that. That like the 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 imp- one of the most jarring aspects of Fred Hampton's life was the fact that he was 21 and he accomplished right. so much and was assassinated right. at that younger age. And when you cast someone who looks older, that gets lost, right? Yes. Yeah. Not a, I, I mean, that part I didn't catch from the movie. It was me Googling at, you know, when things happen, I'm like, oh. This- Even O'Neill was 17. That explains oh. a lot about some of his actions and reactions to things. He was a child. Yes. But also a child in 1968 and 67 is different than a child in 2021 you know that's true so we have to think about how they had to grow up much earlier than we did um in our that's time right. that's so, very true but think about even know. malcolm x and dr king they were assassinated relatively not 21 but yes. relatively young and they had like 50, 11 kids and had yes. been very active um, in the civil rights movement yeah so did we like the casting ultimately? Did we? It was issues, but I mean, it, I felt like it was also a reunion with the Get Out because we had Lil Rel coming later, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> but I was happy to see him because I like him a lot. So it, it was kind of weird. The casting was fine because I don't know. I'm valuing the fact that the story was even told. 
<laughs> more yeah. than the counting yeah. itself. That this is the first time where I've seen, at least where it, it at least has been billed as like a, a top movie, <laughs> where I've yes. seen that kind yeah. of that kind of thing where it's not Malcolm or um, MLK. So that was that was nice to see. Um, so yeah. kind of learn about somebody else in the movement. Well, I guess my my next question then kind of like touches on that because it's like I um I thought the movie was good, but I ultimately was a little bit disappointed with it in terms of its focus. I went in thinking it was a movie about Fred Hampton and his life. And ultimately I learned a whole lot of stuff about O'Neill, right? Yeah. Because actually, yeah. so, that, so I think that that was interesting too, that Lakeith lobbied so hard that like people were, they were lobbying so hard to play Fred Hampton, but this story is ultimately O'Neill's well, story. Him. It's yeah. O'Neill's. His name comes first. Judas comes first. Exactly. <laughs> the Jew, right? I thought about that later. I was like, maybe that's why it's Judas first and the black Messiah. And we are, but yeah, people it, summarize it. It's like, oh, the Fred Hampton story. I heard that this this was a two movies put together. Um, yes. There were two yes. different movies put together. Maybe maybe Charity knows more a little bit more about that. But oh, please speak I to think, that. Yeah, I, I, um, the reason there was um, a behind the scenes where it talked about how uh, the Lucas brothers, um, who were the the uh, producers of the movie as well. They wanted to focus on Bill O'Neill, right? Mm. But then this um, white guy, his name's like Will Burr or something like that, he was writing on Fred Hampton. And so they felt like they would probably not be able to do their movie if they didn't try to, you know, join him. So they joined their, their script together and were able to, like, uh, combine it. But the focus is they may mainly on Bill O'Neill. Yeah. So. But when you think about it, if you have a Bill O'Neill story, you can't have it without talking about Fred Hampton. Yeah. It yeah, would be weird. Yeah, it would but be weird. You also have Hollywood. You also have Hollywood. And who would Hollywood want to focus on more? Fred Hampton. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to talk about black liberation. The, the white, and... the white FBI agent who got. Yeah, they're gonna focus on the white FBI agent, make him, make him look human, and which they tried to do. Like that was the. There were points in the movie where I was like, this guy is doing. I think Hoover threatens when they're sitting in Hoover's office, and Hoover's like mm-hmm. threatening him. Like your daughter, do you want your daughter to be to be with a, a uh, black person? A black. Uh, <laughs> like it's it was like oh he was hesitant to do it, but he was still doing it. But I'm like the the atmosphere like, back then wasn't that. You were right there well, with J Edgar Hoover. Yes. Stop it. Stop so why we trying yeah. to humanize humanize this FBI agent? Like right. Yeah. That is agenda. <laughs> went to his house in the movie you go to his house you see, you his, see daughter, his daughter child. holding his we baby don't daughter to Fred's house we don't no. we don't see Fred's mother we don't see his family we don't see any of that we don't even see Bill O'Neill's family we don't see any of their personal stuff yeah yeah I, I, think- I don't that part that's the part where I was like okay that wasn't right you you humanize this white person more than anybody in- on this movie yeah 
I mean, I think they do try to humanize O'Neill. Um, and I, I can appreciate... Yes. I think that's why I keep going back and forth in my mind, because it's like, okay, Lakeith, you did a really good job. I think he really did a, a really good job. Yeah, but then it's like, I want to know more about Fred Hampton, and I don't feel like I finished the movie knowing much more. Like, I could just read Wikipedia and know this yeah. stuff. Like, I don't know what motivated Fred Hampton... I don't know if he ever felt like weak. You know what I mean? Like there, there's the he wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't three dimensions. It was like Fred Hampton was literally like the Jesus figure, right? Like right. You don't. We don't see. It's like um, I don't know if y'all ever um, watched it, but Luke Cage, like the first season yeah. of Luke Cage, it got a lot of criticism because Luke was just this like magical Negro or mythical yeah. Negro. Whole time. <laughs> right, and then. It's not until season two that you see that Luke has doubts, that you see Luke has mm-hmm. areas of weakness, so that Luke is human. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, though, ab- about this film, but then I get conflicted because I remember people said that about the Harriet movie. And I thought, no, I wanted, I wanted to see the magical Harriet Tubman. I didn't want to <laughs> see Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I didn't yeah, want to see I, her scared. <laughs> I guess when he's in the, in the prison... I mean, don't you see some type of... I just see people beating him up. Yeah. It wasn't depression, but he's probably really sad he can't be out there doing things. The headquarters, the the officer showed him that. That that showed some type of... No, it's not like with um, Lakeith's character, there was the the dream that he had where he was killing himself for being a rat. Like, you see that, okay, this person is torn. Is definitely not Fred's movie. So my thing is, they can always have just a Fred movie, you know? Um, but Chairman um, Fred Hampton Jr., his son was able to be on the set. They said, like, every day or something like oh. that. Maybe if something he didn't like, he was able to voice it. It's just educating people about Black Panther Party, period, because some people don't even know about it. Yeah, they so, don't know the, the good things that they were doing. Yes. I just, yeah, I wonder about that then. And if it's like, okay, his son was there. His son was born, like, a month after he was killed. Yeah. Which I think, I think they should have explored more of, kind of, what that happened after the shooting. Yes. That because that would have given us some insight. But it was just, like, oh, the end. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, there wasn't even that much focus on the mother, right? Deborah Johnson and how that went down, like, with her being arrested and, you know, the civil rights. They had a a case after that suing, you know, Chicago for police department. And and eventually getting them. I mean, they mentioned it at the end of the movie, right? But it was just so... I guess, yeah, I'm just thinking about the ways that it would have been... The things I would have wanted to learn. And like you yeah. said, it's like, it's O'Neill's movie, but, like, we don't, we know that he uh, committed suicide afterwards. Some people say that <laughs> somebody ran him over. It wasn't that he went out in the, in the up in the oncoming traffic. It was somebody ran him over. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's still hella suspicious that the it's, day this interview comes out. That it's you, crazy. That he just happened to to die on that day. Right. I guess then, um, 
what about some of the other characters? Because there are a bunch of different stories that go in through there, and I actually didn't check. A lot of stories. Yeah, like, you know, the friend that was killed by the Chicago police. The, um, maybe that was, why is it the only story that jumps in my head? But there are these other subplots that have to do with the relationship between the people. The other black woman who's in the film, who's very strong. Yes, yes. The one who was arrested. Which was a shootout. There were I don't I don't think uh, there were that many women in the uh, party. Um, so, but I'm happy that they had women in the party and they had them in a role, you know, like supportive yeah. enough. But like it would have been nice to do a little bit more. But um, I thought that was interesting the um, scene she had with Deborah Johnson and saying that she knew that she was pregnant. Yeah. And we, but we don't know what she went through, you know. Yeah. Like, did you get an abortion? Because we don't see her children, so I don't know. That yeah, I mean, and just and we don't see her after she gets arrested either. I, no. I, I think, I think what was weird was like that scene in particular. The fact that he said he was going to cover them on the roof and then didn't, and then the building gets blown up, but somehow he's still okay. How did and nobody he, he walks out and smiles? Like, no, the, yeah. like come on. <laughs> I was like, but then it would have been nice to have known while I was watching that, that he was a 17-year-old. Because I didn't know that. So when he started, oh. when he starts laughing, like he's character. When he starts laughing, I'm like, what the heck? How sadistic is this? He's like, he's like, I got, I got away with it. You know, like, yay. You know, um, I didn't have to die in the shootout you know I'm happy I still have my life I, I, I still don't have anybody thinking that I'm a rat yet or you know so it's like he's getting away with all of this stuff but just imagine having to do that like the anxiety you have to have during that whole time especially once they start killing people right once they start yeah. killing people for being rats it's like uh, <laughs> uh what does it say about law enforcement besides the fact that they trash chicago police apparently are they i mean they have a long history of being just awful it shows me that nothing has changed (laughs) (laughs) you could you could literally take that story and put it like the the black lives matter movement in the shootout the shootout moment to me was just like look at this this is more police brutal you know like this is the same thing you trying to kill us dead. Like you, I was surprised they didn't kill him, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, yeah, I, I I mean, they killed, they did kill some of the characters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's hard. It's sort of like, well, this stuff goes so far back. Like, these, this, you know, the situation in Chicago today is yeah. in part because of that situation yeah. then, right? And, why don't we think a little bit harder about how long standing some of these grievances go? I don't even know what you want to call them grievances, but like the relationship between the police um, and I think what Fred Hampton did like that was so revolutionary was how he made sure all the people in Chicago knew who was the one enemy. You know, like yeah. all of us having these problems because of the state. The state is doing this to us. So let's get together 
form coalition, this rainbow coalition, and let's make some changes. And I think that's one reason why they was like, we gotta, we gotta shoot this yeah. man. <laughs> right. Make and the solution the problem. Yes. Yeah. He was getting the Latin people together. He was getting these white, uh, poor the people together. Yeah. I think that was the part that was so, because I I, uh, I think I mentioned it, but yeah, I went and looked it up. I was like, wait, did this really happen? And it'd be like, wow, what what could have been had, I mean, obviously that didn't stay. I'm assuming right. it, 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 it fell apart, you know, um, and they were successful in their aim by by um, eliminating yeah. Hammond from the pic, ha- Hammond, Hampton from, from the picture. But it makes me think right. about, the difference between it and, and movements now, I think with like Black Lives Matter, well, there's two things, right? I've, I've read, I mean, not quite, I've read quite a bit, a few articles that talk about this, about how like Black Lives Matter isn't, there is no Messiah figure. Like right. in the 60s, we had Malcolm, we had Martin, we had household names, the people that we write our Black History Month essays about, but Black Lives Matter is very clear about trying to be a leaderless movement. Yeah. And I wonder, and it's also very woman heavy. Yes. Right. And I don't know, I guess, what do we, we think about that? And do we think that that helps eliminate the possibility of, you know, more black messiahs where you end up with like a Hampton who passes, mm-hmm. who is killed or who passes away. And then the whole movement's kind of like in upheaval, more or less. Well, this is what I think, because because we had so many male figures who were in the spotlight um, in in the 1960s or, you know, civil rights movement, um, it overshadowed all the women who were <laughs> behind Actually, it. we're doing work, too. Yeah. Churches and, you know, passing out flyers and letting people know this when we having a meeting. Um, this is the boycott. This, you know. So we've always been there. We've just never been, you know, in the front front. Um, So having the leader kind of a leaderless thing, I think it can be really powerful because everybody is a leader, you know? So Mm -hmm. next person is going to get somebody else in and and it's just going to keep building and building. But I I think you get um, the FBI and all the other type of, uh, reaction when you have an armed militia. And I think because the Black Panther Party had that to defend themselves, because this is the thing, we say Black Panther Party, but the whole name is Black Panther Party for self-defense. Mm-hmm. Like, we did this to defend ourselves. We're not actually like a, a, a offensive kind of thing. We want to hurt you guys for the most right. part. It's not the Black Ku Klux Klan like ourselves. they kept saying in the movie, right? Yeah. They kept yeah. trying to stay sane. Um, like, brutality. We no. know it's real and we're trying to live. Um, but it's like as soon as somebody steps out and, and becomes a leader, they're, they're a target to die. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's so sad, but that's what it was. Yeah, I think it even makes it more, I mean, to your point of, of the FBI, um, it makes it harder for infiltration to happen because who then do you make your target? Exactly. Who then do you like exactly. make, uh, oh, go after this guy, pay attention to the, this guy, watch what the guy is doing. It makes that more difficult. Although, I mean, 
what would they be infiltrating? But back then too, like why why was there FBI infiltration? Was it because of the Rainbow Coalition? Was it because they were providing free breakfast? And so they they saw it, Hoover and the government saw it as a you know a slight against you know we can't let this happen because they're organizing around one cause that may just blow up all all of the capitalism or whatever we've created. Right. Yeah. So was it was it truly that or was it truly because they were armed in in their self defense? It was yeah. all of it because. It wasn't just the breakfast programs. It was free clinics, med- medical clinic. It was mm-hmm. school. You're giving people knowledge about these things. And a lot of times they were teaching about Marxist principles, you know, and things like that. The proletariat class, the working class, and how, you know, capitalism is really hurting you. And yeah. they don't want to hear, they don't want people to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the exactly. liberation was what really put them together. And exactly. I can see how the government sees that and thinks, you know, we need to bring no. this apart. This is an internal threat. Yeah. It's like that scene where he's convincing the, whatever, the white gang or the white group of people and he's talking about slavery and like how it didn't really benefit them. Yeah, you don't have the things that, you know, some of your other white counterparts have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was watching that scene, like, this past 2020 and the events that happened in 2020 kept replaying in my head of how like we've used and I think Bunky we've talked about this what how we've used the white the poor white trope as a oh mm-hmm. poor white you know poor white people are the ones who are really upset about this but it's because those poor white people have been used <laughs> to do a lot of these things they've said certain things that would make the poor white person kind of align with their agenda but a lot in a lot of ways they don't have the privilege that others do they no. don't they just have more than black people yes i mean that's <laughs> and you keep that in their head and you keep to perpetuate whatever you want to perpetuate well i mean yeah i mean that is still like american society structure i remember being in grad school and um still never forget like a professor kind of drawing that out like a circle at the top small group of rich white people uh, mm-hmm. Another group is those people in the middle, and then at the very bottom, another circle of Black people. And he talked about how it's true even with immigration, right? You see, if you go to Europe, so many people who are white here in the U.S., Europeans, don't they differentiate between each other. Yes. And a Western European is different from an Eastern one. It's different from a Southern one. They got yeah. their racist jokes about each other, and they talk about mm-hmm. people in weird ways. There's also the EU versus non-EU members, old EU versus new EU. You'd be like, oh, y'all are white to me, but okay. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., it's like, well, you can become white and, you know, you won't have as much as the people at the very top, but you'll still be better than black people. So that's what you have to do. And it, 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 is, it is hard to see how it's played out, like, you know, the Irish versus black people mm-hmm. when there were waves of Irish folk. And then in different regions, different things, but it is it is so disheartening yeah. <laughs> yeah. to it see is. it happen again and again and again. And it's like, I don't, why is it that in the U.S. people tend to align in, along these racial categories more than um, other ways of alignment? I guess, you know, and align based on struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Align based on like common, you know, things that you like. I think part of Hampton's platform was just so simple because it was just like, we are all 
kind of suffering the same things. Mm-hmm. Right. There's this one group right. that's really hitting us. But mm-hmm. if you don't look at it through that prism, right, of like socioeconomic empowerment, and you look at it through the prism of like, well, at least I'm better than those people, right? That's where you have right. this problem. Because even when, right. it, you know, now we have black immigrants and we talk about that too, right? Like yeah. African, you know, some African immigrants, it's like, well, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not African-American. We're in right. this like fake white <laughs> category, which you're not, which you will never be. <laughs> right? It's real. But, it's but real. it is, it's such an integral part of like what the U.S. is. And I just don't, I don't know. The movie just, it's so sad because it's it like. Because it's real? Know, it's real. It wasn't that long ago. My no, parents it's alive when they passed. It hasn't changed. It just shows you that. And then I'm thinking, especially with that scene, I'm thinking like, okay, so would the BLM group be able to talk to somebody from Boogaloo Boys or Proud Boys right now? Nah, nah. But but how much of that how much of that is is it how much of that is that the BLM platform isn't it's more about, you know, effects of effects of American capitalism, racism on black folks. And it's it hasn't been it's not the same as the Black Panther Party where they That's made it such uh, uh the, the platform was more international, I would even say. You're right. Um whereby right. international organizations in different countries could actually align with the same platform. Whereas the BLM That's- movement and it seems like the BLM movement is actually taking they're taking steps not to be like that and i wonder how much how much of that is intentional you see steps? the failure right. yes well yeah. i mean you've seen what happens in the, in the past yeah but there's so many the 10 point plan that the black panthers you know uh outlined that that's good for everybody yes um, yeah <laughs> why wouldn't you want that they're like we want freedom we want to make sure we have employment. We want to make sure we don't have to go um, and, and, and sign up for military uh, enlistment. Like, we want to make sure we have housing. Like, these are good things. Yeah. So I don't see why. I mean, I think they they have the new Black Panther Party, you know, um, organizations. It's, it's national, but I don't think it's big you know they don't get as much notoriety as like black black panther uh the black lives movement yeah well i guess too so much has happened right like it is yeah it you know black lives matter is arising out of i think some feelings that like maybe things have gotten better for certain communities Mm. (sighs) and it hasn't for Certain things specifically touch the black communities in ways it doesn't touch any other community and just isn't any space to talk about that. But I I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but it it is so disheartening because it just feels like no matter how people try and structure themselves to Mm -hmm. break off the shackles of oppression, those who are oppressors will always find a way. Uh, And they always need that person. It all there's all like if you think about African countries with colonialism, there's always that one person that's more than happy to be a dictator and take all the money and yeah. kill everybody and do whatever and let other countries Western countries come in and just yeah. you know rob the country of resources or what have you. And so that is I mean that's just always hard. Human beings are complicated. <laughs> always that corrupt element. Yeah. Yeah. There's the pan African 
you know, even that movement was so like revolutionary. You see how amazing that would have been if it could have come to a four, but yeah, you kill some key players. You think about um, other people's motivations. Like I was listening to a and there's an NPR show, a podcast called Throughline, I think, and they were doing an episode oh. on Marcus Garvey. Yes, I need to listen to that. Did you like it? I I liked it. It was interesting. I heard more and learned more about him. Again, he was another person who was like, you know, I always saw pictures of him and like one line in the history books. Yeah. Um, yep. But he did do this weird thing where he allowed himself to be, like, named, like, president of Africa, the continent, which I... (laughs) I I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I I certainly didn't. Um, And it... He was going back to Africa, girl. He got got a whole ship. The book, yeah, the ship and everything. But it's like... (laughs) It's also just thinking about how you navigate that. I guess maybe maybe that's maybe our... Got him for mail fraud or something. Yeah, no, it was something really stupid. I mean, and the same thing like with... with, with <laughs> for, for the ice cream. Hello, Neil basically did all of this for avoiding police time for what, like five years or something? Yeah, something like that, which is just like... <gasps> well, he did that for that and some money because he was paid. Yeah, he didn't know how much it was going to be um, initially. Yeah. Um, he he said, you know, if it wasn't for Roy Mitchell, Agent Roy Mitchell, I, I would either be um, in jail or dead. <laughs> so he, he revered him like he looked up to this man like a father. The, Which is the, interesting <laughs> because it's like that also makes me think about the movie and whether or not. Because they did try and make some tension in the movie between, you know, there are times when he didn't, O'Neill didn't want to do something yeah. and why forced right. his hand. And so it's just like, I don't really see that as a father son. Like, I don't, I don't see that really coming to bear in the movie. It would be nice to see Bill O'Neill's background with his mother. You know, like some, somebody said that his mother um, was on drugs or something like that, kind of mm. neglectful. So I mean, to be 17 have, and stealing cars, like, you yeah, probably he aren't. He didn't have support, you know. Yeah. I can see what, how they used that to to manipulate him. Yeah. Because they knew they knew that. But the, the movie doesn't even flesh that out. That That's a good point. No. That they could no. have and easily woven it in. And yet we see the white man's family and his little baby daughter and, you know. And how uh, J. Edgar Hoover uses that to, you know. I guess it's like J. Edgar Hoover is the real evil person in this he, whole thing. He is the person, but we should look at the agent as a bad person, too. I think he's the whole institution, right? Like, he can't... Because yeah. who, who signed off on the um, on the surveillance of, of all of these people? Like, go, go all the way back. Who, who was the attorney they, general? <laughs> they still signed off on some level of surveillance. Like... All, all of this is institutional. Seriously. They bugged Fred Hampton's mom, like the, his family members' phones and yeah. things like that. I mean, the same way that they did that to Dr. King. Yeah. They they yeah. did that to Malcolm X. They sent um, Coretta Scott King like tapes of Malcolm cheating on her. It's like another like this. It's it's just again like these games that the oppressor will play. Um, mm-hmm. And they play for keeps. And they play, it's high, no, they do. They play for keeps. They, they, play, to win. they yeah. play to win, exactly. 
And so it's like, well, what what can you do besides immigrate somewhere else? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> And that's what, I mean, Stokely Carmichael became, what, Kwame Torre? Kwame Torre, yeah. Yeah, he went to, what, Guinea? I think he moved. Because yeah. if you don't leave, they kill you, basically. Yeah, and then when you leave, though, you don't necessarily... It at least is a movie that sparks debate. Again, it is, um, it was it, interesting. With Bill O'Neill, like, even after Fred Hampton died, they, they said on the on the... Uh, movie caption that he, he was still a planter. <laughs> yes, yes, which is wild. Well, like, also, but was it truly wild? Because they the movie tried to in the movie they try to kind of portray that he was sort of into um, yeah, the yeah. movement and aligned with the movement. I don't know how much of that is true. But he um, said that he but. never was. He said that he 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 said that he wasn't. I I I think. Yeah. The interesting thing with the movie is they tried to make it seem like the main goal was to assassinate Hampton. And so if that was it, then why did he need to? This is my question. Like, if if, if you've accomplished that, then why does he need to continue to? I think to show, you know, that I'm still aligned with you guys. And, you know, just try to not feel like he's a rat. You know, try not to be the rat still. So I am still in this even though Hampton has died I am still in this and try not to get found out I don't know that's all I could think about yeah it's, I mean I mean that's probably his only source of income as well so they were still given you know taking money and all of that well but, so he got that uh gas station right he gave him he gave him keys to the gas station the uh agent the FBI agent oh I I think I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember that part. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, he gave him a gas station. It was like this is your life. You know, you got a business now. And then I heard that he was selling drugs out the business. I said, Oh my it. gosh. <laughs> Leopard don't change his spots. Leopard don't change <laughs> 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 spots. Well, at the very least. Um, It'll get people hopefully thinking about Fred yeah. Hampton, looking up information about Fred Hampton. Um, it, it certainly it made me do that, yeah. And learn a little bit more about the Black Panthers, because I do think yeah. that um, when they are portrayed, I would say even in high school, I felt like the portrayal of them was as like this like paramilitary group and scary yeah. because yeah. they but were. As opposed to, it wasn't until I actually went to California, and I think because Oakland is where they were born. That's when I right. that's when I learned that they they were the ones who started free breakfast, yeah. um, yes. free meals for kids, and being like, oh, okay, well that's not that's amazing, right? Yeah, that's really <laughs> I didn't I like I had no idea that they were the ones who started it before the government even did. Um, yes. So a lot of good that's been affected by this organization. Um, that at least gets highlighted now and somebody again who obviously was lost too soon um that gets yeah. um, some more attention as well yeah and they had you know young people in the movement i think that is an encouragement maybe a motivation for younger people to get involved because they are always like well that's old people you know yeah that's, <laughs> that ACP. was forever ago mm-hmm. <laughs> does that encourage you if you think you're gonna die uh, well, you know, I feel like I, okay, I'm not 
I'm not a young person anymore. I'm thinking Gen Z. I think you do see that. A lot of yeah. them were the ones who went out, right, last year. Yes, uh, certainly, yes. Braving, you know, yeah. braving against COVID, even though, yeah, their risk levels were lower and blah, 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 blah. So you do you do see that and you do see more less patience with the bullshit. And the interracial solidarity part, too. I think. The, yes, the, I uh, thought that was good. Yeah. Join yeah, I do think we. Black Panther Party didn't like work with white people or, you know, exactly. um, and at first, let me tell you, they, they did have a strict thing like y'all couldn't be up in here, <laughs> but for them to come together and form coalitions with uh, people of other races, it shows that it's bigger than just them. It was like, we're trying to do something on a larger scale. Yeah. So that's huge. Which is I what made it. them a mark, right? Which is what made them a mark. So there we go. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bugaloo Boys and Proud Boys just running all over everywhere, stealing Ooh. stealing mail from people's offices and stuff. And never mind. <laughs> Getting off scotch free, going going to their uh, on their little work vacations. Yeah. Yeah, coming back. <laughs> Getting some organic food. Eating organic food. <laughs> <laughs> this world. This, I don't know if it's the world that's a weird place or the country that's a weird place. It is like, okay. how do we not learn from these really Nobody. egregious mistakes of Nobody. the past? Well, if we don't want to remember it, how will we learn from it? Because if we don't, if we don't want to remember it, when people bring it up, it's like, you know, that wasn't me. That was my that, that was my great grandfather. And we try to make it we try to remove ourselves from it completely. How do you learn from that? How do you even, because you don't even realize that it's happened before. They want to erase it. And the only part of the civil rights movement, they they just want to focus on civil rights movement. They don't want to focus on the black power movement <laughs> because yeah. that's what the party, that was the power movement. So they don't want to focus on that. And you know what? Um, the college campuses during that same time, late 1960s, this is when they were like, demanding to have um african-american studies and yep, on their campus. studies they, yeah yeah wanted, like um uh black student union kind of uh programs or or organizations so it was going on everywhere it was really turbulent people were also protesting the vietnam war and how yes, you know yes, it's mainly yes, poor yes. blacks and whites and you know poor people in general who were the ones that were forced to go serve it is, yeah, I, I, I'm happy when I think about it, it was a turbulent time. I'm, I'm happy I wasn't born in, but. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm okay. <laughs> I, I would have been with the Panthers, though. I would have been with them. I really would have. <laughs> I try. I don't, I, you know, that is an interesting thing to think about. Like, where would you sit? Like, on what side of history would you sit if you were back there? <laughs> and, I mean, maybe because I have more context on it, but, like, I took a, I, in, in grad school, ended up taking a class about um, Islam and the Black, it's called Islam and the Black American, but it really focused on, like, how the nation of Islam came up and uh-huh. why um, the Muslim community, the Muslim community is, like, 10% of the African-American community, but, like, Islamic ideas and affiliations are still a very big part of black culture in terms of like music, rap music and all those uh, and things. And um, I think the framing of like the Nation of Islam, which has some parallels with like the Black Panther movement in terms of like being about 
being black nationalism coming up above your circumstances, uh, not right. too much building, right? Only for black people. Um, <laughs> but I could see, I could see for my, I could see how that could be really appealing. Or I look at someone like Malcolm X and I can see why it would appeal to him, right? For once, someone is telling you, no, yeah. you should be wearing suits. Black people are proper. We are learned. We, right. we can do for our own. Um, so I don't know. And I think Reverend King's message was also appealing. Uh, now, you know, like you said, you know, we, we, we don't want to talk about black empowerment, but he was about that. Yes. It's yeah. Now and, uh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. we don't talk he, about. How he wasn't about, that. he wasn't about the violence part. Yeah. He, in the nonviolent yeah. way. We have the second amendment and these white folk using this second amendment. <laughs> they use the second amendment. And when Black Panther Party, when they came onto a scene where they saw a black person we being have arrested, a right to her they, yes. they were just there. They were just there with their gun and just like you are. <laughs> they they let them know what their constitutional rights, their fourth amendment, fifth amendment rights are, and to make sure nothing is violated. And then they also saw if if hey, if the police brutalized or something like that we're going to report what the police did they didn't like that accountability no that's what it is accountability exactly i often think about that brutality is one of the worst things that has really plagued our 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 community period absolutely and you see in the movie they show that oh it's more police here now because y'all you know all of that they they show it they show how the police are just plaguing us so i think that was very important part of their of their party yeah no for sure with my scared ass i think i would have been aligned with mlk and just sitting up in church and you know (laughs) (laughs) you were gonna do that (laughs) none of them are (laughs) risk-free I would have been on a boat trying to head to Liberia. That's what I would have been. But real talk, real talk, I would have been with Ella Baker with uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Uh-huh. I but she's the one who birthed like Stokely Carmichael because he he was down there with her and Snick. Yeah. But you, I probably would have been with her because I liked her a lot. She taught MLK everything he knew. So I was like, what? Oh, I didn't know that. I do her like that. Mm-hmm. She's a woman, and that's how history gets written. Um, that's how it is. Yeah. But suffice it to say, none of these choices would have been particularly risk-free. <laughs> you just got to stay at home to be risk-free. That's it. I mean, it's like when people say, like, pick what time in history would it have been cool to be Black. I mean, maybe during Mansa Musa's empire, it might have been safe, relatively, but... <laughs> I don't want to be black in like medieval England or something. Like I don't like no. Do you think had Fred Hampton, you know, lived for longer than his 21 years, do you think we would have heard more from him? Do you think it would have, you know, he would have been portrayed more as an MLK or uh, as a Malcolm? A Malcolm. Yeah have been able to to do that rainbow coalition it just seemed mm-hmm. like it was really promising and so that mean that was going to change a lot with uh because he had a background with the NAACP oh, so I think mm-hmm. I think it could have changed a lot with politics too mm-hmm. um in the sense of maybe 
if he had it where he wanted people to run for office and things like that, mm-hmm. it could have changed a lot. One interesting fact that I, when I was Googling, I noticed was that in 2000, when um, Barack was running, uh, I think the first time for his Senate seat or something of that sort, the person who ran against him was the gentleman who started the Chicago chapter of um, the Black Panther Party with Fred Hampton. I'm forgetting his name. Bobby Rush? I don't know. Yes, I think it was Rush. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. And Obama lost to him, right? But Obama or, lost to him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. But he's, he's been Obama lost to him um, for a congressional seat. Uh, okay. But I f- I found that very interesting that he Rush was still you know he was elected to Congress in 1992 and he stayed yeah. throughout and won consecutive um, re-elections and how he was still able to I mean to your point about he would have changed politics but. Rush stayed, and I mean, what change yeah. did it bring to Chicago politics? Like, did it bring any change? Well, right. I mean, but that's one person. That's the yeah. thing, right? Like, you need uh, one person. Like, <laughs> but he says he talks about that in the movie. Some of his lines, right? Like, you can kill a revolutionary, you can't kill the revolution. That's you right. You can kill a liberator, you can't kill liberation. So you need more than one. One person can make a difference. There's that one congressman or a senator or something in the Nebraska state who, um, in the back in Nebraska state's Congress or assembly, whatever they call it, he's, <laughs> he's responsible for that one electoral vote that goes that oh, went Democrat, right? Yeah. He's lobbying and he black, of course, because I mean, black. it's Nebraska. So. <laughs> there are black people in Nebraska, okay? I mean, really, <laughs> enough to get that one electoral vote, okay? Um, but like, you you need you need networks. You need you need you need a movement, and you need people to like have that buy-in and be connected to it. So it it is, you know. I mean, you could say, what has Jesse Jackson done? He's a civil rights leader, but he's one person. Right. Um, and so he me started. Over well, yes, I know but, he's. You know, it, it is. <laughs> Yeah, so when I think... I would say the thing was um, with Fred Hampton and, you know, like the coalition not continuing, then you have gains, you know, that came about. Yeah. So it's like, what if the Black Panther Party was able to stay strong and bring the people in the community into the Black Panther Party instead of going to gangs? Because at the end of the day, you want a community. That I mean, yeah. a lot of kids that's the thing. And so that's why they, so if they got that community with Black Panther Party, it might have been less people in the game. Yeah. So it, it might have been less people. I mean, the crack epidemic is probably part and parcel of that, right? Because some of it is about what they were making their money with and like how those things infiltrated <laughs> communities. Um, but it's always so hard because when whenever someone is killed precipitously, it yeah. it it makes you, you, you think about all the stuff that could have been, right? Like, people say, mm-hmm. this person would have brought world peace. I don't know. Maybe they would have just chilled. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. We know that there was so much potential. And it, yeah. it, it that. That's all we know. That's all we know. And that's what we hope in. And that's how we end up idolizing people. I think, too, there's also the piece of, like, lionizing particular figures and making them seem like they had no faults. Right. It's hard. Right. Um, because we, we do need to 
I do think the reality is like they probably end up more like uh, what's the guy you just named, Nans? The one who won against Rush. The- end up being like a rush end up being like a jesse jackson end up being like a um what's that man's name cornell west right like they've had their impact so one person is just one person is that and it's like yeah i i I, yeah i i honestly the the, uh, a screenwriter for the fred hampton movie like if it was just going to be fred hampton movie he wanted to just like talk about Fred Hampton's humor and how he was funny and stuff. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. We didn't really oh, see much they, of that. No. That would have been really nice to have in the movie. We saw the charisma and we saw that like he was brave, but we didn't you again we didn't go into all the dimensions of him and like what yeah, he, you know, what was his motivations and and why he was what he you know why he 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 was so dedicated to the cause. But I mean I guess the torch is for us yeah, to carry on. They said he's he's been doing civil rights work and everything since he was twelve. So I don't know. His family must have had him in the NAACP really early on. Yeah, it must be. I mean, you that's amazing. Can you imagine? Like somebody being like, "I've been working for ten years." I'm like, "Well, you're 21 years old, bro." Woo! So <laughs> what were you doing when you were 21? Mm-hmm. What was I doing? I was finishing college. College. Thank you, Fred Hampton. There's people like you that made it we possible. Of them, yeah, we can. So, it wasn't like I was doing nothing. Now, what was I doing when I was 12? Not organizing. Uh, uh, yeah, Probably reading an American Girls collection book. <laughs> so, yeah, no, thank you because, because of your struggle, I could, you know, at 11, that could be my reality as an 11 year old, right? The, 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 what we think about. We are where we are meant to be, so we're we're thankful for that, um, and we're thankful for people like Fred Hampton and the civil rights leaders of the past who 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 made their mark, and and because of because of them we can, because of them we literally can, right? We we do have a lot more rights than we had before, so yeah, interesting movie, Very interesting discussion. Movie. Happy Black History Month! Thank you so much, Charity, for yeah. Um, Thank you for coming and sharing um, with us and, you know, keep being black. Yay. Black and y'all will. Blacky, blacky, black. Did you say black and black? Say loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah.